Welcome back to the last hour of Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. As always, and as we're going to be discussing for still quite a bit of time, we're going to be looking at the number one overall pick for the Carolina Panthers. Who could it be? Also, Frank Reich's start with the Carolina Panthers franchise based off what he's been able to accomplish in the past. Who better to bring on and help us talk about that than Stephen Holder of ESPN on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Holder Stephen. Stephen, we really appreciate the time, man. How are you? I'm doing, excuse me, doing well. How are you? No, you're good. We appreciate the time. We're doing very well. Still trying to figure out who this number one pick is going to be. Now, you yeah. did put out a tweet and it was after Jordan Reed released his seven-round mock draft, which is ridiculous. That work is amazing, by the way, from Jordan Reed. But you said, quote, totally agree with Jordan Reed on his top four picks in this mock draft. This is also how I believe it will end up. That mock draft did have Carolina selecting C.J. Stroud. Stephen, why do you think Carolina is going to select C.J. Stroud right now? Well, I, I know Frank Reich very, very well. And I know how he thinks. I know I use quarterbacks. And, you know, you kind of come to, to learn what's important to him. And one of the things for him that's, that's certainly um, ideal is he has a type. He definitely has a type, okay? And his type looks like C.J. Stroud, frankly. And not that all of this is physical. It's not. I'll get to the rest of it. But that's the first thing. He, he definitely, I mean, Frank was a, was a big quarterback, big, tall guy, looked the part. Uh, played from the pocket as well, right? And that's something that, that C.J. Stroud does. I think that is kind of how his offense is, um, you know, is designed to run. So C.J. Stroud checks a lot of the boxes, you know? I just, I, I especially when the alternative is a player where size is his biggest question, Bryce Young. That's not to say Bryce Young can't be a fabulous quarterback. We, we just don't know that. But, but I don't know that that's going to prevent him from being a great quarterback. However, I do know that it matters a lot for Frank Wright that he has a guy who, can, who physically uh, looks the part of the quarterback and, and uh, reflects what he wants uh, from that perspective. The other thing is uh, accuracy is really important to him. And I, and I really do think that's another thing that C.J. Stroud brings. Not that... Bryce Young does not, uh, but but C.J. Stroud really does throw a beautiful ball. Uh, he's he 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 plays from the pocket as well, and and is a guy who's trying to make his reads and get the ball out. So I just I'm telling you, he just strikes me as a Frank Wright quarterback. Uh, for many, many reasons all the way around. Well, and and I want to talk a little bit more about the stature because, of course, it's one thing comparing him to such an outlier in size like a Bryce Young and maybe even a Kyler Murray is the only one we can really think of with that kind of size. But Frank Reich clearly has had a type with guys not only being somewhat tall, but they've been 6'3 or taller. Why is it that Frank Reich likes a big quarterback so much more than even maybe even average size QBs at the position? I, it might be really just a, a matter of his preference uh, for his quarterback to play from the pocket. You know, and that's not to say that he, he won't do some things out of the pocket and have some design runs. Uh, he did have some of that with, uh, or did run some of that with, with Andrew Luck, but, but definitely Andrew Luck played more from the pocket in his one year with Frank Reich than I ever saw him in his career. And I was here for all but one year of Andrew Luck's uh, stint in Indianapolis. 
I never saw him play from the pocket nearly as much as I did in 2018 in Frank Reich's first season, his only season with Frank Reich. So I really think there's, and I think when, when you're talking about playing from the pocket, I think the size really does matter. If you're like, for example, if you're going to, you know, have your quarterback throwing on the run, you know, maybe the size is not quite as important, right? You don't have those big six foot four linemen in front of you. Uh, I think you can maybe adjust and you can work around that um, and, and sort of work in some, some ways to, to achieve success in spite of maybe a lack of size, but that's not really uh, Frank Reich's game. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably what it is. I mean, you know, I, I, there may be more to it in his mm-hmm. mind that I'm overlooking, but I think that's a big part of it. Stephen West Bryant here, and you talked about your relationship and how well uh, you know Frank Reich. Judging off the Panthers' uh, moves, a lot of them that they've made, especially offensively, do you feel like you can start to see his fingerprints all over this team already? Yeah, I do think that. I, I think that you know the, the feeling move in particular, I think, says something to me. Um, he has, I, I think that he has arguably, you know, not had um, optimum weapons at that position. And so, and obviously losing a big weapon in the trade, right? That was, that was not something that, that he could just take lying down. So I'm not surprised that, that they made a move like that. You know, I think one of the things that, you know, when you're building a football team, you have a, a head coach and a general manager. I do think that sometimes here in Indianapolis, I do think they saw things differently sometimes. So, for example, Chris Ballard has never really put a lot of investment into the wide receiver position here in Indianapolis. I, I, I think that's just kind of a, a philosophical thing for him. He has drafted some in the second round, but, but certainly hasn't gone out and spent a lot of money at that position. Uh, Frank Reich does like to spread the ball around and, and maybe doesn't need, or in his estimation, doesn't necessarily have to have, you know, um, an upper crust elite level wide receiver. But I do think there were times when, when that position just wasn't up to snuff. So I think that's one example. Um, they definitely are, I think he also has, let me put it this way, I think he learned some lessons from Indianapolis generally uh, in leaving some things to chance. You know, I think as a coach, you, you convince yourself, oh, I can develop this guy. Oh, we can adjust the scheme and get the most out of this guy or that guy. And it sounds good, right, in theory. And in the end, sometimes you get fired. <laughs> it doesn't work, you know. So I, I really think he has learned some lessons. And, and I think he has been much more, it looks from afar, like Frank Reich has been much more vocal about what he needs and, and wants. And then they talked about how, you know, the average quarterback for Reich was around 6'4". And just with his coaching acumen, could you see him taking a guy like a Anthony Richardson, feeling like that he can coach him up to become a superstar? We talked about earlier on the show uh, the Jalen Hurts effect, a guy that came out of school labeled as not being able to see the field that well, not having a lot of accuracy, being a one-read-and-run type of guy. Could you see Reich looking at a guy like Hurts and then looking at a guy like Richardson and saying, this is the type of guy I want to build my offensive round with that kind of potential? I don't think he'd be his first choice, but I mean, I just I don't anticipate that being the case. However, I do think there there is something to be said for a, a pairing like that. I mean, even Carson Wentz, if you think about it. Now, I know Carson Wentz did not pan out in the long term, 
But they did have a lot of success together, he and Frank Reich, initially, in Philadelphia. And Frank Reich is, or excuse me, Carson Wentz, at that time in particular, before the ACL injury in particular, he was very much a guy who, who, was, who played with his legs. He really did play with his legs. And I'm not saying that's all there is to Anthony Richardson. I think that's, that's not a fair assessment of, of who he is as a player. But the, his legs are a huge part of his game, right? There's no question about it. And, and you can build some of that into the scheme to take advantage of it. In fact, you'd have to. Otherwise, you're not fully maximizing uh, his skill set. So I do think there's a, there's a scenario where Frank Reich could take a player like Anthony Richardson and could make that work. Now, the one thing I would say is he'd have to be sold on the accuracy and the processing. And I think we know more about that from C.J. Stroud's standpoint than we do Anthony Richardson. Those are the two areas where we have to figure out where Anthony Richardson is. The reason I bring that up is because if you talk to Frank Reich about what's most important to him in a quarterback, uh, accuracy is probably going to be the first thing that comes out of his mouth. So that would be something that you know he'd have to take a close look at and would have to be convinced that there are not accuracy accuracy issues, I should say, uh, with Anthony Richardson. Stephen Holder of ESPN joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Stephen, what did you think of the hire the Panthers made when they decided that Frank Reich was going to be their head coach as soon as you saw that news come across? You know, I like the hire. I really did. And I will tell you, I I still firmly believe that there's a really good coach within Frank Wright. I think that circumstances are what they are sometimes. And it's, you know, you've got to rise above circumstances too, right? So it's not like you get a, a pass if, if things don't go your way, right? You, it's not like you can just lose and, and get a pass for it. No, that's not true. And And things did really reach, I think, rock bottom last year. There's no doubt about that in Indianapolis. But I'd say this, to, to win as many games as Frank Reich has in Indianapolis with just the kind of quarterback turnover that really only Panthers fans can relate to, <laughs> you know, I, I think right. it tells you something, man. It really tells you a lot. I, there's, and one of the things that I learned this year in talking to him and even since he was let go in, in Indianapolis, it's just, you know, just we kind of just rubber stamp, oh, you know, you just plug the quarterback in and you just do what you always do. I don't think we really appreciate what kind of a heavy list it is, you know, to do it just once, much less four years in a row. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you've got, to, you've got to tailor your offense. You've got to figure out what works, what doesn't work. You've got to get aligned with that quarterback and the play caller. I mean, it's, it's not as seamless a process as you think. And in fact, uh, this past year with Matt Ryan, the Colts learned that very well. Uh, he did not acclimate to their offense at all as, as quickly as they anticipated he would, despite being a really veteran quarterback. It just didn't happen. It didn't click the way they thought it might. So anyway, it's a long answer, but I guess what I'm saying is there was a lot to overcome. And I think one thing you'll see with Frank Reich, if he can duplicate this, is he gets buy-in from guys. It, it didn't carry through last year because the results just weren't there, and that just happens. But he, he gets buy-in, and that's why they've been able to overcome slow starts to the season, et cetera. I mean, he, he really, really gets guys to buy-in. I think he'll do it again. 
Stephen, uh, on your Twitter page, you have the piece that you wrote. You followed Anthony Richardson around for a week at the yeah. NFL Combine. What were some of your uh, biggest takeaways from following him? So a couple things. I, I think really a humble kid, first of all. And I, I love that because I think playing quarterback in the NFL is going to humble you, brother. Okay? Like, it's <laughs> it's going to be tough. Rookie quarterbacks have a hard time, right? I mean, win or lose, it, it's still humbling at times. So that, I think, is good. He'll have his head on straight, and and he's going to work. But a, a good example of that, like his, his work ethic, I think, was this. Uh, if you're familiar with, you know, how things work at the Super Bowl, take Radio Row, for example, or just – any of the you see a lot of your favorite players, right? When you roll out to the Super Bowl, um, different events, they're making appearances. Uh, you have these sponsors that roll out the red carpet for you, right? They do that with the top draft picks. All the other quarterbacks were out there: C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Why not, right? You go get wined and dined for a week. Well, Anthony Richardson had the same invite, and he told his trainers down in Jacksonville, "No, I'm staying here. I got work to do, and I got to get better." And he said, "I'm not going." And he, he just didn't want to get. He didn't want to have a setback in his in his pre combine work. So, you know, look, it's a very small thing, but for a 20 year old guy, you know, to to be able to say, "No, I'm going to compartmentalize and and not get off track," I think that has to say something. It has to tell you something. And the other thing I would just say is that uh, I, I think his his personal story is something that his camp really wants to highlight. And I, I think it's important to do that. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy who I think can really display a lot of character because, you know, he, he hasn't had it easy. You know, his family has gone through some things. Uh, he's had a lot of responsibility for his younger brother and had to juggle a lot of things in life. I think that, you know, that tells you about the, the guy himself and, and what kind of person he'll be perhaps when adversity hits. Last question before we get you out of here, Stephen. I wanted to ask about the Colts' path at QB. What is the most likely one you think they choose at the quarterback position? And is Lamar Jackson a realistic option for them? So if if the draft board goes the way we were talking earlier, it's, mm-hmm. look, you know, we're all throwing darts at board there. But the point is, if it goes that way, let's say CJ ends up in Carolina, Bryce to Houston, uh, Arizona goes defense. If if that's the the way it falls. I lean slightly toward the Colts going with Richardson. Uh, the reason for that is, well, number one, I, I do know that they have very uh, sincere interest in him. That I know for a fact. And the other thing is, I think there's a there's a blueprint with what Shane Sykin, their new head coach, was able to do the past two years with Jalen Hurts uh, working as the play caller in Philadelphia uh, before coming over to Indianapolis, I think there's a blueprint there. And it, it may not be something they can duplicate perfectly. I think Jalen Hurts was a, was a much better passer coming out of college, which is not something we, which is something we tend to forget sometimes, right? Jalen Hurts was a very efficient passer uh, in college. So Anthony Richardson doesn't have that. But I do think there are some carryover. And, and frankly, uh, from an elite athlete standpoint, Richardson probably further along than Jalen. So it could be really intriguing. Uh, you asked about Lamar Jackson. What I would say is they are one of maybe one or two teams who have gone on record to say we would consider everything, including Lamar Jackson, and, and talked about it at length, right, and, and how they, they like him and admire him and 
he would be a great addition. But there's a there's a big difference, a big gulf between saying that and actually going through with what it would take to get him. I just think with the fourth overall pick staring you in the face, uh, it's a lot to say uh, we're going to forego that and we're going to invest, I don't know, throw, throw out a number, right? $240 million or something. You know, It's just a lot to ask. I don't think they'll, they'll get there. But they have not removed it from the table it's still it's still up for discussion that's great stuff from a man who knows a lot about frank reich the new head coach here in carolina that's Stephen holder on the body works plus guest hotline espn nfl reporter for the colts as well you can find him on twitter at holder steven really appreciate the time man thanks again all right, guys, you got it. Thanks, Steven. That was good stuff on Frank Reich, Anthony Richardson. He spent a day hanging out with him, and then we did get to see that report that he had, the article that's still up there. It's pinned at the top of his Twitter uh, profile, so you can go check that out again. His Twitter handle is at Holder Steven. We'll talk a little bit more about Mark Mitchell's decision to come back to Duke along with Tyrese Proctor and the similarities slash differences between Duke and North Carolina given the preseason expectations. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. That's I'm Not a Star by Rick Ross, but we are stars here on the Western Walker Show. Why would you even put that in there? WFNZ, because the song is fire. <laughs> okay, you right. hear that beat. If the and beat it's is, Wayne and Ross. Yeah, if the beat is okay, then that's fine. We can uh, yeah. be some non-stars, yeah. I guess, for just for 12 minutes. <laughs> and then, like I said, it's Wayne and Ross. It doesn't get any better than that. But welcome back to Western Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Get those texts in on the Garage Door Guru text line. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and hit us up on those socials. And the text line, by the way, 704-570-9610. And hit up those socials, WFNZ's Twitter, Wesson Walker's Twitter, and the WFNZ Instagram. The Duke Blue Devils starting to round their roster into shape as the season is a long way away. We still have to play the Final Four, but... Mark Mitchell announces that he's coming back. Derek Whitehead is going to be leaving. Now, did he hire an agent? No, he just said that he was going to be leaving right now. I don't know. Maybe he did. I just know that he's leaving, but we can look it up. Okay. And then uh, Freddie Roach is a Freddie Roach. Uh, Jeremy Roach is starting to drop (laughs) some uh, cryptic tweets as well. He's the uh, boxing uh, trainer, Freddie Roach. Freddie oh. Roach is the boxing trainer. Mm-hmm. He's a real famous. I thought you were getting like Freddie Gibbs mixed up or whatever. No, no, know, Freddie fine. Roach. Yeah, yeah, he's a real famous boxing trainer. But there you go. Uh, when Mark Mitchell put on Instagram, let's run it back. Jeremy then tweeted the uh, eyeball emoji, so we know, uh, you know, what that means. Uh, do we? Or is that. he just? <laughs> do we know what that means? Does that mean he's coming back, or does that just mean like that he's excited for his Duke Blue I think Devils Duke next Blue year? Devils, regardless, uh, I think the Duke Blue Devils may be uh, excited about that. They may want to read into it more than what it needs to be. I, I mean, I don't expect should he leave? I mean, right. should he? That's fine. I just want you to make sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, he should be coming back, but a lot of speculation going on. Uh, Tyrese Proctor has returned. People are speculating at Filipowski. If I'm not mistaken, we should get a decision on that soon. People are waiting to see what Derek Lively is going to do uh, as well. But right now, as the roster stands, five five-star Freshman coming in, didn't do much in the McDonald's game, but still made a little bit of noise, went in the dunk and the three-point uh, contest. A couple of those guys did. Well, Duke be preseason number one, uh, as it stands. And we have a lot of offseason to go, but what do you think? 
Yeah, they're going to have a shot to be preseason number one. I don't know what the other decisions are going to be made by other schools here, but if you have the prowess such as Duke's tradition will bring you, if you bring back, especially Filipowski coming back, on top of what was the second-rated class behind Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken, in this McDonald's All-American game, or was it first? I think it, either way, I know top they had two. three guys, and Kentucky mm-hmm. had four in the game, if I'm not mistaken. Whatever, it's three top four. Whatever it's top two. Yeah. So you're bringing in five-star guys on top of Mark Mitchell, who was good for them. Average over nine points, shot pretty well from three, mm-hmm. 47% from the field. Pretty good player. You know how much I thought of Tyrese Proctor, especially at the end, yes. defensively as well. And then you bring back, back Filipowski. I would expect that team to be preseason number one. And Wes, I think unlike Carolina, who had their run that they did last year and then came in as the preseason number one team, it feels like Duke has more of a foundation to go off of where North Carolina, I mean, we're talking about them possibly missing the NCAA tournament at times last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we really got to a serious point with Duke this season where, Oh, they really might miss the tournament. We had high hopes in Duke at the beginning where their only losses were against great teams like Purdue, which yes, in the tournament they lost, but Purdue was still top ranked. They were still a very good squad at the, you know, at the end of the season, they were number one. And then maybe had a lull at the middle point, but then they just went on a run right at the end where they won the ACC tournament even. That is not something you can say about what North Carolina did before they went on the March run that they did Mm -hmm. in the big dance. So there's a better foundation here. As much as we can make some of these comparisons, and I think they're fun, and I think they're here, right? North Carolina does something one year. Oftentimes, you've seen Duke do it the next there is a foot there. I am more comfortable about what Duke can achieve next season. I think there is more of a foundation for them to build off of than what North Carolina tried to do coming into this year. I could agree with that because those five-star recruits, none of them are ranked less than 20th in the country. According to two, four, seven sports. One of them is in the top 10 and the rest, as I said, are in the top 20, but how much does this number one ranking depend on Filipowski or uh, at this point with the pedigree of the guys coming back and what they have coming in, does it even matter? I think it does matter. I think Filipowski, he's the linchpin and all. I think he kind of cements you, right? Yeah. I mean, that guy, if he's going to be a late first round pick where, you know, maybe, I mean, I could see a team falling falling in love with him during the pre-draft process. I don't Mm -hmm. know about the athleticism testing or whatever might come that way. You know, if he's knocking down shots in an open gym, you know, his three-point shooting wasn't great, but Mm -hmm. it's there for a seven-footer. You could absolutely see him being a stretch five even, having the ability to put the ball on the deck. He's He's a valuable player. And especially with the way that he came on so strong at the end of last season, if he comes back, Wes, I just think that is the linchpin, as you say. I think he had some mensa. I think the biggest thing he provides, he gives them an identity. Because you know when he comes in, he is the go-to guy. He is the ACC tournament MVP. Late in the game, there's no question about who's getting the basketball. It's going to be him. There's no question about who the offense is going to run through. It's going to be him. And then everybody else falls into line. And I think that's key because when you look at what – uh, Coach Shia was able to do getting the kids to buy into defense, rebound, and the grittier parts of the game to help them win, even though they struggled shooting the basketball. If you have a go-to guy like that, now Shia can get guys to buy into their roles. You're the number two guy. You're the number three guy for us when it comes to scoring. This is what you guys would do off the bench. This is what you'll provide. I think that looks uh, great for them. But as far as the similarities between UNC and Duke at this point and um, – comparisons I mean I guess right now if you look at it if Filipowski comes back then Carolina got Baycott back as well so 
uh, that would be their arguable but there's not top much. dogs. But yeah. you're right. Like, the, the reason that we're making this comparison is because Rockton, we're, RJ, we're trying to talk about them being a projected number one team yeah. and, and next year going into the season where if North Carolina, let's say they get beat in the second round, mm-hmm. they're ranked, but they're not ranked number one based off of their tournament run. And I was fine with it. Everybody was. I was cool with them being number one. And Duke didn't go on their run, right? 100%. I've got one texture here that's mad because, hey, North Carolina got to the championship. What are y'all smoking? Right? I, okay, I get it. Yeah. But at the same time, Duke also has a whole bunch of dudes that are new coming into this organization, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Duke isn't going to be losing anybody but Derek Whitehead. That was a big contributor. North Carolina did with Brady Manick leaving. They're also, Duke is also bringing in more five-star guys. And if Kyle Filipowski comes back, that would be their biggest loss. But Derek Whitehead, as much as he's a good player, came around in, in some areas, it's not like that's a huge portion. Man, right. we all knew they needed to replace 70% of what Brady Manick was at least. And Pete Nance couldn't even give him that. And so now, when you are North Carolina, who did not have depth, Duke now is going to look like they have depth, especially if Filipowski oh, comes yeah. back. Especially if you expect these five-star guys to get playing time right away. I'm sorry. There's just a difference in how comfortable I feel about Duke going into next year, not bleeping the bed like North Carolina did, eventually missing the tournament. There's no way Duke is going to miss the tournament, and you would expect them to make a deep run based off of all the talent they have on the roster. Yeah, and so now when you talk about Carolina and you turn the page there, I mean, this is basically going to be, you know, Bojangles makes their biscuits from scratch. Uh, That's what they claim. This is basically what Hubert Davis is going to have to do. I mean, he gets Baycott back. He gets R.J. Davis back, which is huge. But he's going to have to pretty much build with four uh, guys in the transfer portal. Uh, He just picked up a transfer the other day. But he's rebuilding this thing from the ground up. And Kyle F., by the way, texted me in the Garage Door Guru text line, said Lively's probably leaving too. Don't forget about him. That's a fair point. Defensively, he mattered a lot. I don't think he mattered as much as Brady Manick, especially with what you're bringing back in. And I don't want to undersell what he meant defensively. It's why I chose Duke to go to the Final Four, because of his impact inside. But you're right. I do think that you are talking about differences there just because Brady Manick was a bigger loss than what I think Derek Lively will be. Now, trying to build the right team around Armando and RJ. Wes, you also had another point about Caleb Love leaving being a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. I think Tar Heel fans would argue that it's not even really in disguise, that it's a blessing outright, and it's very easy to see. With RJ Davis running number one, being the point guard, not having to worry about, hey, take my name off the Jerry West shooting mm-hmm. guard preseason award watch list, still yeah. bizarre. So there's going to be a defined role for RJ. There's going to be a defined role for Armando, just like there was last year. But you're going to have those two guys coming back. That matters a lot. I'm hoping that Armando can stay healthy. That's been a problem the last two years in in real clutch time. At the end of the season, championship game, whatever. I think Armando's health matters a lot. But you're going to have to try to replace some wing depth. Because right now, you're you're hoping for some internal improvement from Jalen Washington and Seth Trimble. That would, that would go a long way. But you're going to have to try to find some guys in the transfer portal in order to get you to the great class that you have coming in 2024. And so Hubert Davis, that coaching staff, whoever, they're going to have to work in the transfer portal big time to try to just get some people with experience to help you out. Yeah, and I think with all the things we heard 
uh, that we've been hearing the last couple of days about what was going on with that program. We talked about the stuff with Caleb and RJ. We talked about them not necessarily having a feel for the game and wanting to play basketball and having that hunger from Vince Carter and Anton Jameson. But I think, though, you know, uh, Hubert Davis can really vet these kids and really make sure that he's getting guys that are going to that are going to buy into the program and I think that's what's most important. I don't think that everybody bought in uh at Carolina this year. I thought a lot of those guys and you kind of run into that sometimes as well. I think some of the young guys suffered from the name on the front of the chest. And I say that to say you hear Nick Saban and you hear uh, great championship coaches talk about this where young kids come into winning programs and they think it's a birthright. They think they can get off the bus and they're going to win a game. And the older guys understand it doesn't work like that. But I think some of those freshmen coming in, some of those guys came in with like, oh, man, this team went to the Final Four last year. We're just going to come right in and we're going to ball out and we're going to go right back to the Final Four and we're going to do it. And they didn't realize how tough it was in the ACC. Well, and with Duke, too, this is a team, if you subscribe to that being the biggest problem for Carolina or one of them, they certainly, maybe they thought highly of themselves coming in. It seems like the Brendan Marks report did say they felt very good. But it went away quickly when you lose four straight games. And then they couldn't handle criticism. So it flipped on its head, but still it was the inability to be able to handle different emotions. With Duke, you do get a nice mix of achievements here or non-achievements. You win the ACC tournament. Mm -hmm. So you've proven that you can win big time games, especially getting wins over Miami, getting wins over Virginia. Virginia. So having those victories to win the ACC tournament, that's big. You're talking about a couple of four or five seeds in the NCAA tournament, but you also lost to a four four seed with Tennessee when they punched you in the mouth. So it's not like you can come into this year thinking you're unbeatable and only one team can like North Carolina thought maybe with Kansas Duke didn't even get to the sweet 16. You know, they lose to Tennessee before they even have that chance to get to the next title. Right? So I think that's the reason why also you get a nice mix of achievements and or non-achievements for you to kind of stave away some of the we're too cool for school type of feelings coming into the season. Yeah, I think the characteristics we talked about for a perfect team around the Tar Heels, no such thing, obviously. But I think R.J. Davis needs to be the guy out there on the perimeter being aggressive. Uh, I thought Carolina played at their best when he was that way. We know Armando's going to do his thing as far as being a garbage man, uh, holding down the boards, getting the putbacks, the dunks. But I think they definitely need to supply more shooting. They need to supplement uh, RJ with more shooting. They need at least uh, two more guys out there that can spread the floor uh, for sure. And then uh, I, th- I think that's going to be the biggest thing because that's going to help Armando as well. Um, the double teams and a lot of the attention he gets, teams weren't scared to do that, especially the more and more teams realized that there was no shooting to be uh, leery of. Caleb Love was just uh, too bit too streaky, uh, I should say. But I think this is their chance uh, to start over, get on the right track, uh, get the type of guys in that they want, And we know that with the transfer portal, you can turn a program around uh, very quick. And so I think with Carolina, some of the targets uh, that we've seen, which looking through those, just a quick aside, uh, I didn't know Jameer Nelson had a son uh, that's out here balling. Is is that weird for you to see the sons? No, I I love it. I I enjoy it. Well, just the age thing. It is like it's weird for me because I this is where I'm starting to get older, (laughs) where I I watch Jameer Young or excuse me, Jameer Nelson and Delonte West at St. Joe's. You know, I got to see that team. And now the fact that I'm going to watch his kid here soon like th- this is my first era of going through that sort of thing and so yeah it is kind of weird. they call him the white whale 
of the transfer portal, man. They said he was an elite scorer for Delaware, averaging north of 20 points per game. So uh, these are guys that the Hills are going to have to go in and get. No, I was just going to say, with Carolina having to operate through the transfer portal, and we've had the depth concern about Carolina twice in a row, Mm -hmm. I'm worried a little bit for Hubert Davis because you're now trying to replace guys that played a lot of minutes for you immediately, right? So, okay, you got to try to find who's going to get all the Caleb Love minutes. Even Styles, Puff Johnson, barely getting bench minutes anyway. Right, you got to try to replace that. No more Leaky Black. So, trying to replace that. So, let's say you do, okay? Let's say you do replace some of those minutes and you feel decent about it, whatever. Sure. Now you still got to find bench guys. Mm-hmm. My question is, are we going to do the whole depth thing again? Mm-hmm. And is that going to be a big criticism for the third straight year for a Hubert Davis coach team, and if they do not perform up to expectations, then is that going to be one of the reasons as to why he might not be able to save his job, and or is it just going to be building all much more pressure going into 2024? Because, Wes, it's not inconceivable for me to think that they're going to suffer from depth issues for a third straight season under Hubert Yeah, Davis. and so you look at their classes coming in this year. They have two four-star recruits, Simeon Wilshire and Zayden High, and these two guys are going to have to be prepared to play and play a lot early. I think a lot of that depth is going to hinge on these two. Uh, who knows what else they're going to get? They may uh, add a recruit or two late, and if they – uh, you know, we know they're going to hit the transfer portal, but these two freshmen are going to be huge when you talk about adding that depth that Carolina's going to need. They're going to need to come in immediately ready to play. All right, let's go to a couple texts real quickly. Uh, Big Chris from Shelby said, as far as Caleb Love goes, by Felicia. So I imagine that's not very camouflage. I know a lot of Carolina fans did want to see Caleb Love. Armando called him a legend. I know he did. 980 number (laughs) said there will be no leaky black at the defensive end replacement in the transfer portal. Yeah, it's going to be tough when you're talking about one of the better defenders in the country. Are you replacing... Maybe addition by subtraction because I know how great Leaky was on defense. Don't come for me. I know that. (laughs) But to be able to potentially get another guy, because we felt like at times Carolina was playing four on five offensively, to maybe replace what you're missing in the defensive department with some scoring could help. Well, hopefully they get, yes. Can you you overcompensate on that end? Because – Offensively, this still should have been a decent team, yeah. <laughs> and and yet they just missed so many shots. But you're right. You, you are losing a great defender in Leaky Black, and this was still the team that got criticized for their defense with drop coverage. You heard that from Dennis Love in this Brendan Marks athletic article. So I think Carolina should get back to a point where they're not one of the worst assist teams in the country. Very weird with all the ISO ball. Can you get somebody that can be more of a connector than what Leaky Black was? that can knock down more up open shots at a better frequency than what Leaky Black could do. So if you're going to lose his defense, then hopefully you can get somebody offensively, as you mentioned. And then, you know, the four stars you mentioned, too, they had a couple four stars this year that didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Hopefully that changes with some of these new guys coming in. I mean, I think Carolina coming into next season in the ACC, uh, they were the top storyline last year as far as could they duplicate their success and finish the job. I think for sure this is the most fascinating story storyline as we go through the offseason to see who they add and uh, also how this thing is going to come together as the season progresses well just real quickly go Panthers guys said y'all are forgetting about Ian Jackson that's the thing 
He's twenty twenty four. So he's yeah, not coming 2024, in. Man. I, I I think there's some like reclassification possibility Maybe. here. Huber but... might be saying, "Hey, man, <laughs> we need <laughs> you, dog." But but twenty twenty four. That's when he is expected to come, and that's the whole point. Could you get? to the number one class right now that is ranked number one in 2024. And that's that's the hurdle Hubert Davis has to clear right now. Yeah, man. So we'll see if he's able to do that, man. But it's going to be great content going forward uh, for the foreseeable future. And when we return on the Wesson Walker Show, we're going to close this thing down, our final segment of the day. Send in those texts. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Segment to go on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the walk-off, but before we walk it off, I want to remind you about Charlotte FC and how Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by, get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends, and you can join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels. Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line. Only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Did want to update you guys on some news as well locally. One of the top golfers in the world, Rory McIlroy. He has confirmed his commitment to play in the Wells Fargo Championship this May. He joins guys like Patrick Cantlay, Max uh, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau. I think that's my favorite. Hideki Matsuyama, Sam Burns, a couple of the other ones that are bigger golfers. Have you ever been to the Wells Fargo Championship before, Wes? Uh, I have, actually. When I was an intern with Nate Wimberly, I went out there for the Wells Fargo, and I actually uh, was walking back. It was so hot out there that I had to go to the gift shop and buy a bucket hat. And then when I was on my way back, I was walking, and uh, I was... I'm trying to think if shushed is the correct word. (laughs) But they just stopped me dead in my tracks. Uh, in front of everybody because the guy was getting ready to shoot a shot. I never knew it was so, you know what I'm saying? Did you feel offended when they asked you to do that? Uh, I did not. I thought it was funny. For one, I was like, wow, I didn't know it was that, you know, that serious out there. You know what I'm saying? You would think they're like quarterbacks. They can thrive in the chaos. Mm -hmm. People talking and doing all types of stuff around them and they still get the pass off. But no, it is not like that. You have to be deathly silent and you cannot move an inch. I'm not surprised that McElroy's co- he loves Wells Fargo. He loves Quell Hollow. He loves that golf course as much as any really. It's why he has what is it puttery that he has in town? Is that what it is? Yeah I know when it first opened up you had to wait forever to go be a part of that but now I think it's a little bit easier to get in and and my question always is when you go to a golf tournament is whether you are somebody that camps out at one individual hole or if you're going to follow one of the golfers so for me I think I like camping out mm-hmm. at like the 17th green or something like that whatever green well, you that you probably had too many beers by then and be walking too much probably true especially if it's hot out <laughs> i feel like if it's hot out it either makes it worse or you sweat it all out and you feel like a yeah, weird that's why i can't sober. do the day drinking that's what day drinking i don't want the hangover oh day drink it's great it's all my right. favorite i'm good i love doing that uh, i imagine fitty might be day drinking just to get over his sorrow of the latest mets news have you seen this Wes? no what happened now oh yeah it, it's it's happening the new york mets they tweeted out that justin verlander will be placed on the il with a low-grade oh. terrace major strain 
will continue throwing at moderate intensity, and they will rescan Verlander in a week. They will provide an update at that time. Fitty tweeted out that the Mets are already metting before the season started. <laughs> so it's unfortunate for him. Now, the reason Fitty is not talking about this, this himself is Shroppy's been running the show really since, what, 1.45, yeah. 2 o'clock? He's been running it. He's been doing an excellent job. Excellent job he's been doing. Fitty, yeah, I know Fitty is going to feel some type of way. Right. Fitty is out right now with Flounder, and they are taste testing yeah. some of the new concession items yeah. that the Charlotte Knights are going to be revealing this year. Yeah. And so what's hilarious about this is Flounder was asked to go by boss man Jeff Rickard, and then Jeff asked Fitty to go too because we wanted to have a couple of people hmm. out there. And they go out there in full-on Mets gear. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hilarious. And then Fiddy, Fiddy in charge of the Weston Walker Twitter account. Our very own Fiddy is out here at Troops Field. <laughs> He's out here taste-testing some of the concession uh, items. So tweeting in third person? Yeah, uh, he was. Our yeah. very own Josh Marlowe yeah. is out at Troops Field. And then, of course, he retweeted it immediately. Yeah. He's out there living life, man, tasting whatever hot dogs that are new, whatever fried dessert that yeah. they're going to put on I a said, hot dog. Tell him, Shrop, some people are eating and some people are working. Uh, yeah, that's right. And Fiddy is eating eating right now yeah. and he's uh he's helping out the station by doing some real work out there i've done this before i don't know if I don't, you weren't working with the hornets i think at the time uh-huh. but the hornets did this a couple of years back and mm. i got to partake in some of the menu items they have are they uh going to i saw they also showing off new merch so will fitty and them get some swag that'll be a good thing to see well I think they might, at least the last time, last year when I went to the Charlotte Knights event, they were just basically getting everybody ready for the season. They had a discount at the team store. Mm. I absolutely took advantage of that. So I'm going to text Fitty. And if they are doing the same thing, I might have to go meet them out there at the field before I go home. Okay. Because I got to go. I mean, especially with the discounts being there. Yeah. What is something that you would like to try or taste test? Like, do you, are you with all of the crazy stuff, whether it be a hot dog with donut buns yeah. and chocolate syrup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try stuff. most anything food-wise once. But after that, it's, you know. Yeah, if it's not good, you know, but food-wise, there's not much I won't try. I bet Fitty's in heaven right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fitty. Yeah, Flounder. Being just. at the ballpark in his Mets gear. Flounder's got the food in his beard. What I want so desperately to happen, <laughs> <laughs> what I want so desperately to happen, too, is everybody else is dressed professionally and yeah. nice, and they've got the suit and tie, or at least some kind of button-up, yeah. and then there's Fitty looking like a T206 tobacco card. Right, right. Th- that's what I want to see. I said I wanted to take a picture of him and put it in black and white. Uh, you'd look, that's like a second baseman. Yeah. Fitty sounds like an old baseball nickname, too. Oh, yeah, that's Josh Fitty Marlowe. He yep. was great in the 1890s. Yep. He was amazing and second you know, back baseman. then, there was no... Uh, top-notch training centers or anything like that. So some of the baseball players did not look svelte. So I think he would fit in in that era as well. Babe Ruth and yeah. Josh Fitty Marlowe getting it done on hot dogs oh, and beer man. and Mountain Dew. Yeah. Does it go to when people get food in their beards? <laughs> if they leave it there, Flounder does look like he might get yeah. a little bit in the flavor saver. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I don't know if I would be down with that. That's why I can't, I can't even grow a beard, so I don't know what it's like. But, yes, that is some news I'm sure Fiddy is not happy with. So, Shroppy's been man of the board. Shroppy, if you want to hop on the mic, how do you feel? Were you nervous to hop on? You've already done it once, I guess, when we were on remote. Yeah, um, I guess a little nervous just because I haven't done it with you guys here in studio, you know, just looking at me. Well, but- here's the thing. We, we need to gas Shroppy up because yeah. Fiddy is going to be paranoid. Yeah. If we say, hey, Shroppy did great. He did all. I 
don't know if he's listening. I don't think he can be. He's yeah. not going to have headphones in. So we yeah. need to gas him up. We need to act like he did all of these different production elements. Yeah. And then we need to show Fiddy, hey, man, if you could be more like Shroppy, that'd be great. Hey, like any hot prospect, you know, you always get the comparison. Do you feel like at this stage you are better than Josh Fiddy Marlowe? Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, better is a bit of a stretch, but I might dare to say more dynamic. Okay. Oh, more dynamic. There we go. There we go. Stirring the pot. himself. Fiddy prides himself on being dynamic, oh, and here man. you are saying that you might be more. I like He's it. He's going to come in there like Yosemite Sam tomorrow. <laughs> He's going to be so bad. <laughs> he started off the show just like that today, yeah. shooting finger guns because it's the baseball season yeah. that's already starting. Yeah, I like it. I want that same energy when he comes in here. <laughs> He's not going to be thrilled about it, but it's still going to be hilarious all the same. Since Fiddy is gone, I'll go ahead and read his On This Day in Sports History fact. In 1987... The 49th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship featured Indiana beating Syracuse 74-73, to and Hoosiers guard Keith Smart hit the game winner in final seconds, and then they intercepted the full-court pass at the last second for Indiana to be able to get that championship. Didn't they beat North Carolina in that 87 like, championship I'm run, too? I'm that it wasn't a Carolina fact. Well, I think, it's, I think it's because now it's not like it happened on this day that year, but I think Indiana beat North Carolina mm. on that championship run, maybe okay. in the final four. He won't put that in there. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I might be wrong, but I but I do remember the game-winning uh, field goal. Real quickly, just to go back to Fire Fizzle before we end it, was there another final four moment that was honorable mention or that you thought you might put in there that you did not mention in Fire or Fizzle? Uh, well, again, going back to the Fab Five when they said they went to the uh, overtime to beat Kentucky to get to the game to play Carolina because I think I was pretty nervous watching that game that they wouldn't get in there. Uh, Grant Hill catching that alley-oop. Uh, I think I forget who it was against, but when he had to reach way uh-huh. back and catch that alley-oop, that's a – that's a great moment as well. I think that was against Michigan. Um, I want to I wanna read some of Fitty's text because he just texted into the Uh-oh. show as if he's a Uh-oh. listener. He said, ain't nobody more dynamic than me, uh, baby. I should have known he was listening. I, I should have known, too. He's too paranoid not to. And then he texted in something about Sloppy Joes, and he rhymed it with something that I can't read because, of course, Fitty would do something like that. <laughs> um Oh, man, there's. I'm trying to read text, but I can't read some of them because Fiddy is just too crazy. He oh, texts oh. in a lot to other shows. He texts in a lot to other shows, man. Fiddy is just a, a good old listener, dynamic listener slash producer. Yeah. All right, come back. Tell Big us, brothers, no- always watch. <laughs> tell us how the food was, Fiddy. And sorry about Justin Verlander and the Mets. The season's already in the toilet. That'll do it for <laughs> Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. Thanks again to Shroppy, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.